Hey guys! Hey, how are y'all today? It's like the coldest, windiest day yet, and it was really hard to get out. But we have four kids, so it's actually pretty easy. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks for joining us. This is exciting. We've got uh, the beginning message of our of our whole big series uh, on the fruits of the spirit, and this is this is really exciting because uh, we often wonder, like, okay, what what does it look like? I following God. What are the signs? What are what do I do? And and what's the difference? What is this big change that goes on? And so so we're starting kicking that off today with self control. Bill's going to come up and and just share, and that is going to be a a real treat. So y'all are in for a, a real great time, I think. Um, I heard most of it last night, and that was really awesome, but every day is new and different, so I'm sure it'll be good. Before we get started, let's pray, please. Heavenly, perfect, awesome Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we have right now to hear your word and hear how how it ties and breathes into our lives. Thank you for the words that are going to be shared and, and open our hearts and our ears to, to hear something that, that is much bigger, much greater than us, and, and that is just life-changing. Thank you so, so much. Amen. Hey, Mr. Bill. Hey. I told him you were going to do really good. So yeah, thank you. No pressure. I, pre- I appreciate that. I, even after hearing it, you said that. That's, uh, I, I, wanted, I want you to know that we really are not recommending stuffing kids in swamp coolers. Okay, thanks for defending yourself twice on that, but uh, I wanted you to know that was just not our policy, but do join us. It's an opportunity. We get multiple calls for swamp coolers, uh, and it's one of those things that we get really the honor of going out uh, and and doing them. Uh, We normally start them up and, and we shut them down to people or veterans or seniors or people that just can't do that. So it's an opportunity to not only go and do some work, but it's to talk to the person at the home uh, about why we do these things. That it's because we're serving the community through Christ. So that's an opportunity uh, to do that. Okay, uh, we're, Nick already blew my cover, and he told you what we're going to be talking about today. We are starting a new series. It's a, it's a series that will start today, and it is about the Holy Spirit in our lives, and it will stretch from here to Christmas. Yes, it is that close. Uh, so it's coming at us. This is, this is the main verse that we're, that we're talking about, the fruit of the Spirit, where these are evidences of God's Holy Spirit living inside of us. And uh, these are not our characteristics that are coming out. This is the character of the Holy Spirit, the character of God, that are coming out and in, in through us out into the world so people can see that Christ is in us. This is, this is uh, something that is so unique and so challenging. Uh, let, me, let me talk about this just because this morning I got up and I was, uh, I just started the book of Luke. Some of you may be familiar with it, uh, but it is a, a presentation. Luke starts to talk about a guy named Zachariah. Zachariah, uh, his wife Elizabeth, they couldn't have kids. They were very old. This was a, actually a disgrace in their time to not be able to have children. And so he, he, he was picked to go in to the altar of incense. He moved from the general temple that was there, and he moved into what was called a holy place. 
and he was a priest, a Levite priest, and he got the honor, the incredible honor and privilege of going into the holy place to put incense uh, on this altar that was one of the things that they did every day. Incense being obviously a symbol uh, to some of us of prayer going up to God. So he's in there putting this incense on the altar and an angel shows up and, and announces that he's going to have a child who becomes John the Baptist. But what I want to focus on is not so much what happened in there, but where they went. They entered into a holy place, a place that was designed to have no fault, that, that was purified uh, often by blood. It was covered and clean and, and perfect. So when you walked in there, you were walking into the presence of God. The place was so revered uh, by, by the Jewish worshipers at that time that when someone would go in there uh, to serve in any way, any capacity, they would go and they would put bread daily. They would go in and put incense daily. There were certain processes that they did every day to honor God. But when they walked into this holy place, and here's the point, they knew it was holy. They knew that they were moving from a, an ordinary day-to-day -day world, even though they were in the temple area, into an area that's holy. You know, this is a word that we don't banty around or talk about too much. And, but the word holy means without fault, pure, uh, just this, this, this reality that, that acknowledges that God is present. It, when they went in there, one of the things that a priest would do, and he was a Levite priest, they would put bells on the bottom of their robe. And that's kind of a strange thing, but they would also tie a rope around their leg. Uh, I don't know if you know where this is going. The reason they did that is so when the priest is in there and they heard the bells tinkling, they knew he was still alive. Because he'd come into the holiness of God, and, and this was a risk. And so uh, they did that, and they had the rope around his ankle. So if they didn't hear the tinkling for a while, they'd reel him back in. Record, I don't know of any time when someone got struck dead in there, but you're getting the idea of the reverence that these worshipers of God. And, and Zechariah was, it, it says he and his wife were righteous in the eyes of God. Think about that. They were righteous. They followed the God uh, the best they could. They had a heart for God, righteous. And he goes into the presence of God. He moves in to the holy ground that is there. And so what we're going to be talking about during each week of the series that we're talking about is entering into the presence of a holy God. But it goes beyond that. Because this holy God is not removed and away from us as followers of Christ. Because just as the holy place and the most holy place was sanctified and kept clean and, and honored as holy, a follower of Jesus Christ is made holy by the blood of Jesus. We're purified. And so in that sinless state in God's eyes. Now, I recognize that I'm a sinner rat dog. And I, got, I have the honor of telling you, you're a sinner rat dog. Now, those who have accepted Christ, those sins have been paid for and removed. So we actually have the ability to consider ourselves, to know in Christ's eyes that we are holy. Our sins are gone. 
But, but so this series is telling us that because of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. And when he comes and lives in us, he shows himself to us and to those around us. He will come and, and instead of our human nature with a bunch of negative stuff, he will turn and he will show us holy love. And people who we interact with will experience through us, now this gets weird, love that is supernatural, that is pure and without fault. Do we, do we always walk in these fruits of the Spirit we'll see each week? No, we don't. But we need to know that they are resident inside of us. We have available the ability when we interact with people to show Christ's supernatural love through the Holy Spirit. We have the ability to, to move in an area of joy, not happiness. There's a huge difference between happiness and joy. Joy is that inner ability to be able to live in all circumstances, knowing that, that God, we talked about in our Sunday school class, that God has forgiven us, that we stand in grace in everything that comes at us. God is allowing that. So we can rejoice in that. That's the word that says rejoice. Uh, and, and in everything give thanks, God's will for us. So we can have a deep feeling of joy. It is not us. It is a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We can have peace that surpasses all understanding. It's, it's a reality beyond us. It's, it's not something in our, we'll see in our, in our crazy bang around world where things are just seem to be coming at us like freight trains. We can have that feeling of peace inside of our life. It's not us. And other people can sense it. Uh, I've had people tell me stories uh, about in a situation where everything else is turning to smuckies around them. Someone will turn to them because of their ability to have peace to say, you're a Christian, aren't you? You see, that's what we're talking about when the Holy Spirit works through us. We can have each of the fruit. We can have patience. I'm sure no one here needs patience. But if you needed it, and you have a relationship with Christ, then you have a supernatural power working inside of us that will allow us to have patience in traffic, at work, with certain mandates that are floating around with politicals. We can have patience in these things. We can have kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and we can have Self-control. This is, these are holy manifestations that work themselves out in our lives. Now, am I saying that this is the reality every moment of our life? No. We're still walking, and we'll talk about today, a battle inside of us between the flesh, our old nature, and this new holy nature that the Holy Spirit brings inside of us. But God has implanted them inside of us, our Again, our Sunday school class, uh, shameless plug, meets at 9 o'clock. It's really good. Uh, but we're t we reminded ourselves today 
of Ephesians 1, 3, where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Who has given you and me, any Christian here, this is our promise, he has given each of us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And that includes the Holy Spirit. We are playing with a full spiritual deck. Now, I happen to be dealt a few more joker cards than most people in this full deck. But, but this, is, this is the reality that we walk in. And this is what we're going to be unpacking each week. We will look at this. Now, uh, we, we wanted to talk about why we would do this, why we would talk about this in this particular time. We look forward to this over the last several months uh, of where we're going to be and at the end of the year. So we want to sum it up with this fruit of the Spirit that's in front of us. The last message before Christmas is going to be love. But we'll work our way up to that as we go. Why do we need fruit of the Spirit? Oh my goodness. In a world of COVID-19, we need courage. We need love. In a time of poverty, political chaos, social unrest, cyber attacks, Coming at us, terrorism, kidnapping, the rising power of China. Anyone who's aware of the situation in the world, uh, the, the weapons that are being developed, their threats toward Taiwan. These are serious, serious things. What can we do as a church as we were thinking about getting ready for this? Well, we can remind each person in the craziness of this world that we have a reality that will come and live in us so that we can face and, and manifest Christ in these times. You know, it's an important thing that, that all the junk of the world and in our country and the world, that how do we respond to them? Well, we respond in the fruit of the Spirit. You know, and, and looking at our country, just a few reminders to us of why manifesting the Spirit is so important. We're reminded that the kingdom, our, our country, and the families in our nation, if they are divided against themselves, they will never stand. And so this, this verse gives us what's happening in our country. We're told to let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor be put far from us. Those first verses, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, that's the flesh. That's my natural self. That's who I am. And that's who you are. There's something in our flesh that we respond that way. But God tells us to not do that. He, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving. This is the manifestation of Christ inside of us. When we get hurt and we forgive someone else, this is Christ doing it through us. It, we, I don't know about you, my flesh wants to get even. When someone honks at me, my first response is, oh, I wonder what I'm doing wrong. My first response is, you idiot. I don't verbalize that, but fight it down and, and let the spirit say, okay, Bill, look at what you're doing. This is the, in the world that we live in, this kingdom that's divided that we live in. This is all around us, relational health that's inside of our lives. As a, as a nation, we've become so divided that we're dysfunctional. Families have become so divided inside of themselves with, with there's, there's a teaching afoot that kids should be treated as, sh I almost said as human beings. Uh, they, I didn't mean, well, anyway. Kids should be treated as if they're 
all adult, they can make their own decisions. If you try to discipline them and correct them and teach them how to function in society, you're somehow warping them. So a therapist in a couple of years will blame you for their dysfunction. But the truth is that's the parent's job. But this division comes with, with parents not doing their job and kids rebelling. Uh, this is the challenge that we face in, in our relationships. Marriages, families are being redefined and coming apart. Uh, mental, emotional health in 2021. Uh, there's no doubt with the COVID and everything else that's going on. We read it in the news all the time. 20% of the people in our country will seek help for mental illness this year. And it goes on, anxiety disorders, major depression episodes, all of these things, if you, if you think about them, take a step back. They are not fruit of the Spirit. They're a reality in our life, but to overcome them, we need to replace what's inside of us, our nature, with the fruit of the Spirit that God offers us. So what is that? The spiritual health is the foundation of the other problems. We talk about this often as a church. If you're visiting us, we have this wild assumption that spirituality, our, our relationship with God, defines our relationship with everything else. If, if our nation or if us as individuals or us as a family are right with God, then we will be able to be successful in what we're about. We're, we're told in our country, though, that we see that this good news of Christianity, it's veiled. You're not going to find what I'm talking about or what the Bible talks about being taught in school. You're not going to find it talked about in universities. You're not going to be at, see it bandied around. You're not going to have a, uh, a seminar on the base uh, in any way, shape, or form talking to you about what God can do for you. The gospel's veiled. It's hidden from those who are perishing. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And why? Because people, a time has come. And please, we live in this time, guys, where the truth of God is really hidden. And we find false prophets everywhere we go. We see them on internet. Uh, influencers are the big word. I hadn't heard that word until a couple weeks ago. An influencer is an internet person who has such a large following that they're an influencer of the culture around them. So if you want to start a business, if you've got this going, if you could get an influencer to put a word in for you, your business will explode. Talking to someone, that's exactly what happened. But we live in this. This is, this is not uh, God's net, but look at how people see the world in our country. Biblical worldview. In other words, see the world through God's view. Only 6%. We have 70% uh, of the people will consider themselves Christians. Only 6% understand biblical Christianity. Uh, most people, syncretism, simply stated, syncretism is a pick and choose. It's a buffet of religious beliefs. That uh, I like karma. I think everyone in here would like karma. No, that's works. But some people will pick karma. Some people will pick, uh, will, will pick a little bit out of Hinduism and meditation and going to other planes. Some, there's, we pick and choose what we want. We like the idea of the cross of Christ and forgiveness, but we just pick that, and we don't take the obligation of loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul. Syncretism. So anyway, the, the point that we're, we're trying to make during this series is to take a step back. What's our life based on? Is it based on the reality that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us? 
this holy being that God has put to guide, to lead us, to teach us all of these things inside of our lives? Is that where we're at? Well, okay, that's what we're shooting for. Now, let's, let's talk about the reality of this because it's, there's a challenge. There's a challenge in this. We, we know the fruit of the Spirit. We've talked about them. But the good news is that this gives us a power. We talked about this in the last series. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we will receive power. And, and, and we will go out and be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, witnesses. We, we know the concept of being a witness in telling someone our story, telling them about Christ. But quite honestly, all of our preaching is worth nothing if the Holy Spirit does not change our character on the inside. We become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal uh, to people that we spread the word to. Our power is not in our words, it's in our life. It's in who we are. And I don't know about you, I, uh, in, in my early, well before, in my BC days, I met a man who manifested Christ. It was the strangest thing. He was a Marine Corps pilot. He was a, a Marine Corps. He was a ground officer, but flew as a, uh, an aerial observer in, in our aircraft. And he and a Texan to boot. Are you ready for that? Whoa, I know. Back up. Uh, but he manifested, and his wife Kay, Charlie Richards' wife Kay, they manifested Christ. It wasn't his message. He really never preached to us. He's the one that invited us to a Bible study in his house when we were far from God. And I said, oh, sure, I can do a Bible study. So what can I bring? Bring something to drink. So I brought a six-pack of beer. I didn't know that was not the way to go in those situations. But, uh, but he loved me through it. But there was a character inside of him, and it's our character that allows us to show Christ to the world. Our witness in our marriage our witness inside of our family to our kids that we are not stuffing into coolers <laughs> is our loving, disciplined instruction. They look at our patience. They look at the joy we have in the trial. That's what we show. And these are all manifestations of the Holy Spirit that's in our lives, that is fully available to us as we go. It's We've received power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're told to, as obedient children, don't be conformed to the passions of our former life. In other words, there's a, there's a former life that we all have. And that, that evil twin we'll talk about today is lurking inside of us. So this is, this is the spreading, if you will, of the Holy Spirit working, changing our lives, moving in all of these areas uh, so that we can reach out to others. But understand that there's a battle inside of each Christian. And this is a battle, and it's very important, this is a battle inside of each Christian. We'll, we'll talk later that this is not the applicable battle uh, in people who aren't Christian. Paul, the apostle, talks about this. He says, I say walk by the Spirit, or walk by the Holy Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of our sinful nature, the flesh that was there. Now, here's the reality of my life, is that somewhere in me that the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. 
I have a battle inside of me. I still want to respond negatively when someone honks, when someone insults, puts down, or make. I still have to fight a rising up in me of the flesh. When uh, given certain temptations, I have to be prepared to turn and walk away from. So do you. If you are not prepared, if you don't sense this battle, there, there's two things that are going to happen. First, you need to know that maybe, and we'll talk about this, if we don't have that battle inside of us, then we might want to question whether the Spirit is in us. Because when the Holy Spirit becomes resident in you and me, the Holy Spirit becomes resident. There's a holiness and a standard and an awareness of God. So as we enter into relationships with other people, it's like entering into that holy place in the temple that, that God has put in each of us. So, but, but the battle that is there is the flesh against the spirit. And, and it's obvious which path we're on. Now, if we're following the ways of the world, the flesh, it's evident. But long list. And, and you could almost describe much of our outside culture, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Now there's a word. The word, by the way, the word sorcery in the original language is pharmakia. What is that? That's, well, that sounds a lot like pharmacy. And that's exactly what it is. It was, they used drugs in their worship back in their day, just as we use drugs in our worship today. Uh, sorcery, enmity, word enemy comes out of, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, division, sounds like our government, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. And the warning is, if that manifestation inside of our life, if that's us, then sadly it says very clearly, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. On the opposite side, hanging off our tree can be either the fruit of the flesh or the fruit of the spirit. What are the people around us seeing and manifesting in each of these areas as we do that? What are we? So we're starting, fruit of the Spirit, the bottom verse. We're starting with the last one. We're starting with self-control. We're starting with self-control because we have some basic decisions in our life to make as we start. The basic question is, who controls us? Because when we first are born into this world, we are born without the Holy Spirit. We're born with a conscience, but we are not born with some holy residence inside of us. Quite the opposite. Uh, the Bible is brutally clear. We were slaves to sin. And we didn't have to worry about doing the right thing. But look at the fruit at that time, uh, which you are now ashamed. And I... I I, this is not a fun thing, but I look back at my past and I see things I'm totally ashamed of. I believe followers of Christ, when they come to that realization, will look at a previous lifestyle and say, oh. and we have to realize that Christ paid for that. He paid for that. Now you're ashamed. Uh, the end of the thing is death. But, but you've been set free, so we have a choice. See the path off to the right? This is the hard, narrow way. The world is turning out to the left, following the flesh, following the wisdom of this world, all of that other stuff, rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives or even allowing him in. But now you've become 
slaves from sin. Excuse me, you've been set, uh, set free from sin. Now we're slaves to God. And what fruit do we lead? What controls us? That's the question today. And, and the answer really is, is what fruit do we see? It's not only in our life, but it's in the lives around us. What's the fruit? And so we're talking about self-control first. Why? Because self-control is a decision that we make. It's a decision what path we're going to be on become hugely important. This idea of true self-control is an illusion. We do not manifest initially self-control. We choose who we serve. Do we choose and live our lives in sin, because that's where we start out, or do we choose to follow Jesus Christ on the other path? The truth bomb is that, that we don't have, if you will, freedom until we choose to follow Christ. The hope of having you know, self-control by the power of our own will, uh, wisdom or power, is a false hope. Until we come to know Christ, we are now, in that case, being f controlled by the powers of this world. We are still slaves to sin without the Holy Spirit being inside of us. What does that look like? This is probably one of the hardest verses for me when I, when I came to understand what it means. I never thought, I thought, by the way, and you guys know me, some of you know me really well. I am really a cool dude. I was a cool dude before I became a Christian. You know, I was kind of charismatic. People wanted to be around me. Of course, I was leading them right to hell uh, by my lifestyle and, and everything else I was doing. But I was a cool dude, so I thought I was okay. I thought I was in charge of my life, doing what was right, getting there, making my career, building all those things, my family. But the truth is I was dead in my trespasses and my sins. This stark realization that I had self-determination, self-assertiveness, all the self-stuff that the culture pours on you. The truth is I was dead. I was walking according to the course of this world. And I'll catch the next part. According to the prince of the power of the air that's now working in the sons of disobedience. Before I became a follower of Christ, I was a follower of Satan. Not just a follower, a slave. That's a bitter pill in our high self-esteem, let's not talk about the truth culture. But until we come to terms with, with that reality, we will never be joyful and thankful for, to be delivered from it. Dead in our sins and our trespasses. The control of behavior was by Satan at that time. The self-control was, if you will, only to make us look good. It wasn't the self-control that the Holy Spirit will later give to us. Now, recognize this was written by Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle, and, and notice he starts out, you were dead in your, that's pointing at us, but catch the bottom of it. We all once lived. He was a righteous dude. He was the guy that would go into that holy place. He was that kind of a guy and looked at that way. But he says, no, in those days before Christ, I was dead in my sins and my trespasses. You know, according to the Bible, that's where we all start. Now, how do we move out of that? How do we get controlled by God? 
It's very simple. We have to pay a price. We have to die. Now, isn't that encouraging? Not die in the physical sense. We have to give up control. We have to die to con trying to control our lives. We, we have to understand, and if we're honest about it, and we look back, we, we weren't doing a red-hot job. Now, my career looked good and everything else, but on the inside, I was not doing well. My marriage was not well. A lot of my relationships were not well. I was addicted to multiple things, from alcohol to smoking to language and, and you name it. I was not doing well. I had to exercise my choice to lay my life down, to be crucified with Christ. But catch the phrase, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by, in the flesh by faith in the Son of God. Christ now lives through us. This is the movement of the Holy Spirit and Christ living in us, the manifestation. That's what we're talking about as we go on with this series. Uh, and it's a fact that the Spirit indwells us. You know, if we don't have the Spirit, we don't belong to Christ. If we're not manifesting or striving to manifest each of these flesh uh, or fruits uh, in our flesh and in our real life, we have to stop. And again, I want to be just going to end this with this part, this part with this statement. This is not a multiple choice question. This is, it's a true, false, yes or no question. Have we taken up our cross and followed Jesus Christ? Because he put it right to his disciples. He said, if you want to be my disciples, you have to take up your cross. You have to die. You have to follow me and deny ourselves. If we try and hang on to any part, we can't follow him. That, that is hardcore, and it's the truth. So how do we know as we go each week through our series what spirit lives in it, the spirit of the world, or the Holy Spirit is dwelt in us? Very simple. It's our fruit. If you have any question about what the fruit are, look at both sides of the fruit that is there. A healthy tree bears good fruit, but a diseased tree bears bad fruit. You know, I a couple nights ago, my wife and I went out for a walk late at, you know, late. For us, by the way, we're old dudes and dudette. Uh, she's much younger than I am. Uh, it was somewhere around 6.30, really late. And we, we went out down this row of trees that we have, and uh, I went to a fig tree. And I said, look at that fig tree. It's looking pretty good. And I saw some fruit hanging off it, a round thing, and and so I says, Farmer Bill, let me harvest. So I, I pulled that thing down and opened it up. It was a little hard to get open. Tasted it. <laughs> it was bad fruit. Bad fruit. Now I know why Jesus cursed the fig tree, for those of you who are familiar with that. But you see, that's the reality of the fruit in our life. You see, often we don't test our own fruit. Everyone else around us does. They know what fruit is on our tree. If you have any, if you got a close friend, uh, ask them sometime. Because <laughs> they'll be honest. They'll give you the good and the bad if they're honest. But a good tree does not bear. If we've been crucified with Christ, it's Christ that lives through us. We're not going to be perfect. 
because there's a battle inside of us that we're talking about. This battle is in the world and it's in us. But this growth of fruit over time in our lives is the evidence that we're a good tree. And without a doubt, rationally, we should say, I want to be a good tree. Let me see. Love or hate? Hmm. Joy or misery? Peace or disturbed? Just go down the list. This is what we want inside of our lives. But there's a battle for it in two places. First, the world. We live in the United States in 2021. Is there any doubt where our culture is? Uh, as far as, if you will, uh, I did the quote earlier, where only 2% of the people in our country are biblical Christians. Only 4% uh, have a biblical worldview. These are very small numbers. The rest of the culture, we can turn TV on, which is always our high-risk maneuver. How quick are you on the remote to get rid of the junk? Uh, or go to your internet, and what kind of blocks do we have up? All of that stuff that comes at us. The world comes at us. We're in a spiritual war. The spiritual war continues to come at us, and we're asked and invited by God to put on the full armor of God so that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. He comes at us in subtle ways, whether whatever temptations we might have, uh, and we each have different ones, whether it's pride or selfishness or lust or things that we see, uh, greed, covetousness, jealousy. Satan comes at us with all of these things, but God gives us armor to protect us. So as we wrestle against the flesh and blood, that, that we can overcome them by the power that's in the heaven. It comes at us. This is the battle for fruit inside of our lives that, that each one of us deals with. And also there's a spiritual battle inside of every Christian. I have it. You have it. Each week we'll talk about this. That this battle of the spirit that's inside of me for the desires of the flesh are against those of the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. You see, inside of you and me, there's, there's, there's a war. It, now, in, side note, if we are not walking with Christ, if we have not chosen to lay our life down and give him control, the fight looks very different because the Holy Spirit isn't present. The Holy Spirit's outside knocking, wanting to come in. We have a conscience which God has given us, but this is not the Holy Spirit. This is just a general moral compass that we all have. So if this battle is not a reality inside of our life, we want to question what's missing. The flesh is not missing. Note the self. It would be the spirit that's missing. If the battle's not there, then the, then the Spirit of God, and, and this, by the way, talks about the battle. The second verse is written again by the Apostle Paul. He acknowledges as a full-blown Christian who changed the world with his life full of the Holy Spirit, sacrifice following Christ. He says, you know, I, I know nothing good dwells in me that's in my flesh, this flesh side of me and you and Paul. He says, nothing good is there. I, I want to do what's right. I don't know about you. I never want to get angry again. I want to walk in perfect peace. I want to show love in such a way that it is obvious to everyone around me. Not the mushy, gushy love, although that's appropriate. I'm talking about my life showing love to other people and for other people. I don't want those things. And, and so did Paul. 
But he says, often I didn't do what I wanted to. I couldn't carry it out. And, and often I did what I wanted to do. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free? And he goes on to say, Christ will. Over time, continuing to seek Christ, he will set us free from our flesh. And in the process, the verse goes on, and, and he says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So as we seek, God's not condemning us. He's, he's like the loving parent, disciplined, correcting us, and helping us grow. This spiritual battle for every Christian. The but if Christ is in us, that is real. How do we win the battle? Quickly. How do we, we should know this. And I want to give you some verses uh, that I think are the most powerful. As I was getting ready this morning, I kind of rewrote this message. This is my favorite verse. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ to make... That's my favorite verse. That's not the right way to say it. This is the first weapon that I go to. This, this is my, my, my pistol that is right at hand at every moment. I don't have to pull out my AR or anything else and get it going. This is my pistol for quick, for quick temptations that come out at me. And it applies across the board. When I was a new Christian, I had to control the thoughts of my mind. So I, I grabbed this verse and I put this bullet in my gun. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the, uh, for the, lust of the flesh or the flesh and the lust thereof. Every time I got a temptation, boom, I shot back at the bad guy. I had a weapon and it was ready to, to be put into effect. Again, uh, Understand that this is, the, we, our Sunday school class again talked about that, shameless plug, uh, today. And, but here's, the continues, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one in spirit with him. And so we're told, in that case, we, we have the spirit, we have Jesus, flee sexual immorality. Every sin uh, a person commits outside the body, sexual immorality uh, and again, I want to add, this is physical, but it's also mental, it's also spiritual, all of those things. Uh, or do you not know, and here's where it comes back to being holy. Do we not know? Do we not know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Have you ever looked at yourself that way? I really hadn't absorbed this to the degree that I did this morning getting ready. The Holy Spirit lives in me. And, and for every Christian here, he lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit who is without fault or blame. And Christ lives in us. He lives within you. We have that from God. We are not our own. We were bought with a price. As a follower of Christ, we were bought with his blood, that we might be forgiven and that we might live in his grace and mercy, that the Holy Spirit would come and live inside of us. How do we protect this? Recognize who we are. Protect the temple, our, our life. It's not our physical body, but our emotional life, our mental life. That becomes where we protect this holiness that God has given us. Jesus gives us that ability. How do we do it? We connect to the source of life, power, love, joy. We connect to Jesus Christ. If, if you're here and, and you've not made that decision, we can help. Come talk. 
But for those who have made that decision, the verse tells us to abide, to remain, to connect. We're the branches. Who, this is Jesus talking. Whoever abides, remains, connects intimately. And again, I have great plants, and I say this all the time, that, that, that vine grows in the branch. Mine's is dying out pretty quick. It's time to prune them. Uh, but it's so connected that life runs into those things. Next year, we're going to have grapes because those branches are still going to be connected to the vine. As we connect our life to Jesus Christ and his word, don't, don't, don't miss that part, and his word, he flows through us. If, if we disconnect, we lose all life. If we abide in the middle of that, if we abide in, in Christ and his word, his Bible abides in us, we can ask whatever we wish and it'll be done. And look how we glorify God by the fruit of our life from that connection. We don't, you know, the, we look at so many things that glorify God. What glorifies him is us living with his spirit through us. That's the hope for Christians. That's the witness with power throughout the world. That's Christianity and growth in the Holy Spirit. And I, I put this as one of my favorite verses. comes out of the Old Testament Psalms 1. Blessed is a man who does not walk uh, in the counsel of the ungodly, nor, nor stand in the path of sinners inside of our life, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. He says, don't do that stuff. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And every day he meditates on it. And he'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. His life won't, his leaf won't wither. And all that he does, he'll prosper. I, I memorized that verse sitting next to the Kern River uh, 40 years ago when my kids were, were home. They were asleep in the tent. I went out early. But I looked at the trees and I said, I got to memorize that verse because it describes the life of this river, Kern River, but it also describes my life and it describes yours. It describes yours. Plant ourselves firmly in Jesus Christ, please. And the fruit will grow. Summary, application. Uh, it's really simple. We, we started with it. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the Spirit wars against the flesh. This is the reality inside us, 2% versus 98% inside of our lives. The battle that is there. Who controls us? If you haven't made that decision, if you look at the fruit in your life, and, and you say, uh-oh, I'm not abiding in Christ, let us help. Oh, my goodness. I wish early on uh, in my life I would have had that guide. Let us help at that time. We need to choose if we're going to be a slave to sin or a slave to Christ. It'll cost us our life. It will cost us our life. But therein is the hope. Feed the Spirit inside of us that it might bear good fruit. Join us each week as we go through this series. Next week, it's goodness, the fruit of goodness, of Christ showing goodness through us, the Holy Spirit manifesting goodness inside of our lives. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we, we thank you, thank you, thank you for your perfect love.
that, that moves inside of our lives, that draws us so that we might know you, that we might allow and have the honor of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us to transform our lives. Lord, for each of us here, let us examine our fruit. Look at our decisions. Who are we really following? Is it Christ and the Holy Spirit is growing and maturing in us? Or have we decided to walk on the wide, easy path? Lord, thank you that you will speak lovingly and kindly to each person here to encourage us to grow in you. We thank you and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. To end, we're going to take a moment. We talked about abiding in Christ. We're going to have a moment of worship, and which is an opportunity. I talked earlier uh, about uh, Zechariah going into the holy place. In, in, in a moment of worship, that's what that is about. To enter into the holy presence of God. The two songs, they're going to sing first, Great Are You, Lord, and then Amazing Love, which allows us into that holy place. Please join in. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Lori. How can it be that our king would die for me, for you? You know, the, the, the proposition is really ridiculous that, that God would send the son to die for sinners. It would be ridiculous. Laugh it off. The only problem is it's true. That is what happened. It's truth based in not a theological argument, but in a historical fact that changed the lives of now billions of people over the last 2,000 years. And we get to be part of that. And it's, and it's through that sacrifice that we can find the holiness of the Spirit in us, and I won't start again. Uh, but let me encourage each of you to come back. Thanks for being here.